Riverton, Wyoming has been in the news recently for what we at Solidarity Wyoming are just going to flat out call some racist incidents directed at the indigenous community. Um, for folks not familiar with Riverton, it's a small town in Fremont County and the population of that county is about 20% indigenous. The Wind River Reservation is the seventh largest reservation in the United States and is home to both the Eastern Shoshone and Northern Arapaho tribes. And I'm talking today with Ron Howard of the Northern Arapaho Tribe and Chessie Lee of the Riverton Peace Mission. Um, so welcome, both of you. Thank you so much for joining us today for a conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chessie, you can go first. Yes, I'm, I'm Chessie Lee, and uh, I moved to Riverton, Wyoming in 2013. At the time, I was working for the uh, Wyoming Association of Churches. Uh, I've lived in Wyoming for 32 years now, and um, with the Wyoming Association of Churches, uh, that organization wanted to connect more closely with Native Americans in Wyoming, and so I was delegated with the responsibility of, of listening to and uh, standing with Native Americans on behalf of the Wyoming Association of Churches. Um, so I, I moved here because where I was living in Laramie at the time, it was, it was hard to, to build those kind of relationships needed to make that happen. Um, so I moved here, uh, bought a house, uh, and um, I love living here, have done a lot of work the last uh, few years with the, uh, with the tribes, uh, both members of the Eastern Shoshone and Northern Arapaho tribes. Uh, a couple of years ago, I retired from that position. Um, but one of the things I realized that had happened is while I had built, I felt positive relationships with Native Americans, um, that I had not built the kind of relationships with whites. Um, even though I'm I'm not indigenous myself, I'm um, um, so I I would fall under the class of of descendants um, of settlers. Uh, and uh, I uh, felt like that the racism that I had seen here, uh, that it really was going to take a lot of work with, with white people uh, to help um, try to address that racism. And I've done a lot of studying about racism. I've, even before I moved here, um, I've had experience in addressing um, uh, racism. Uh, I, I grew up in southeastern Ohio, uh, where the Underground Railroad had gone through uh, in a community that was uh, that was biracial, but yet a lot of racism uh, continued. And um, was at the March on Washington in 1963 when Martin Luther King gave his address. And so I. Um, Really, that's a passion of mine is to address that, and um, and really that uh, in working with uh, Ron Howard then over the last, uh, um, especially the last few months, uh, deciding to come together and to form this Riverton Peace Mission uh, to try to build that bridge uh, to build try to build community harmony uh, in Riverton. Uh, you mentioned that. Uh, that the reservation is, is down the road from Riverton, which isn't quite true. Actually, Riverton is surrounded by the reservation. Ah, thank and, you. Um, yes, and so 
uh, and there's a dispute of whether or not it really should legally be considered a part of the reservation, because that was never that was an act of Congress, uh, and then the uh, uh, that allowed white settlers to come here, and then the city of Riverton uh, incorporated in the early 1900s. Um, so there was never like any you know, uh, amendment to the treaties or, or any or any transaction of bonds or anything that really took Riverton out of the reservation other than becoming incorporated and deciding it wasn't. So those issues are, are gone, have gone to court but have not been really totally resolved. So, and I think it is typical uh, for my reading is that um, that often there is tension between border towns and reservations. So I don't think this is anything really unique uh, here in Wyoming. Um, but I think because of some things that have happened over the last, um, uh, especially the last few years, uh, has really heightened that um, division between the, the reservation and, um, and the community of uh, Riverton and the surrounding area. Thanks for having me. I'm um, I'm delighted to be here. So I'm a member of the Northern Arapaho tribe. I was born here in Riverton and uh, my family, uh, I was adopted um, out of, off the reservation into a, a white family actually. And so I think I, I grew up sort of with a, a unique perspective on, uh, you know, on, on, on being Native American, which I was taken away from that culture uh, very young and I was reintroduced uh, you know, probably 20 years ago, right after I got out of the army. And so I've learned a lot about what it is to be Arapaho and what it is to be um, indigenous and, and live here as a Native American. Um, you know, for the longest time, I was just a guy trying to make a living. And, you know, I got married and, and had some children. And I finally finished my degree, became a teacher. and um, I've been active in the community as uh, an actor uh, with uh, Central Wyoming College Productions and some other um, semi-professional gigs around the country and um, stand-up comedies and things like that. So kind of the entertainment business. And I, I think from that, I sort of discovered that I had a voice and I had a way of getting people to, to listen to some of the things that needed to be said. After my kids were born, you know, this shooting happened um, July 18th, 2015 at the Center of Hope. And that's really what got me started in this activism and, and being so so much more politically and socially active in the community. I have kids now. And when uh, Stallone Trosper and Sonny Goggles were shot and it just, it threw this whole community into a whirlwind and nobody knew what to do. And everybody, it, it was kind of like, putting a firecracker in an anthill. Everybody was just running around confused and angry and, um, you know, a whole plethora of, of emotions. And through discussions on social media with, you know, with other people, the the notion of the peace march the um, that, that we did down Main Street came to fruition, and that's where I met Chessie. And since then, we've been sort of working together, and the Riverton Peace Mission is sort of an extension or a... Um, you know, of of the peace march, we can something we can do all year round rather than just have it in July. So, um, and yeah, so I'm I'm delighted to be here and 
Um, proud to be working with Chessie on, on these projects that are very important, not just for Native Americans, but for the community as a whole. Would either of you like to say anything else about the Riverton Peace Mission? Give us a sense of what that project is up to and what your goals are. Our main goal is to build community harmony. Uh, and so we're working on ways uh, to try to, to uh, cause that to happen. Because right now, um, in fact, I mean, one of the struggles that I've had is that I feel like I live in two separate communities um, and that uh, many of the things I get involved with are, are either all Native Americans or it's all white. Uh, and, it, you know, because of cultural differences, I mean, some of that's going to happen, but um, there's a lot of things we could be working together on. And uh, there seems to be a, a, a high level of, of mistrust in, in being able to work together. Uh, so. Uh, some of the things that we uh, want to do and one idea we have is to have like a monthly uh, live mic opportunity where people can come in and, you know, we could name a topic and people just share um, their their ideas about how maybe to address uh, certain issues in the community. Uh, for example, since I've, I've moved here, uh, people have repeatedly at meeting after meeting I've gone to talked about the need for a treatment uh, program for um, residential type program for people with addictions. And while there are several programs there's, here, there's not any uh, addic uh, residential program. And so uh, we would, that's something I think that the community could come together on because everybody agrees that there's a need for that. Um, and just other, other issues uh, in the community that we could come together in, in a positive way. I, one of the things that I uh, appreciate about working with Ron is in making sure that uh, positive images of Native Americans are, are brought to the forefront because I think oftentimes when I talk with uh, my white friends about Native Americans, they just uh, seem to see only the negative things that happen, uh, the homeless. Uh, and uh, and kind of then how they approach that is, you know, well, if, if we just don't see them, if we hide them, uh, then we won't have this uh, negative problem. Um, and uh, but not really recognizing all the the talent, uh, the the good things uh, about many of my uh, Native American friends I, who I've uh, got to know uh, since living here the last several years. So, um, so just providing opportunities where we can work together, uh, where we can um, um, come together to to solve. Uh, common concerns, um, but I think even more important is to appreciate the, the diversity that we have. I know a conversation I had with, uh, actually, at some uh, at a business here in in Riverton when I was uh, buying a uh, a used car, uh, and I was talking to uh, a recent graduate, high school graduate, who was uh, the sales lady, and she was was telling her about, you know, having moved here and. Uh, what I, one of the things I liked about Riverton was uh, the diversity. And she looked at me in shock, like, 
<laughs> like that's a positive thing <laughs> that uh, that this community has diversity and and I think people who've grown up here, lived here all their lives, may not appreciate that that's a positive aspect of Riverton. And one of the things that we're having uh, hosting coming up uh, in January 18th uh, here in Riverton is an event to uh, to bring people together uh, to to do healing. In fact, that's what we're calling it: is towards uh, uh, community harmony. Uh, Healing for Tomorrow. Uh, there was a shooting um, in September at Walmart of a, a northern Arapaho man, um, and the um, the shooting was by a white police officer. Um, there's controversy as to whether it was, you know, in self-defense, uh, necessity that he shot him, or if it's something that could have been avoided. Uh, Regardless of, of what happened that day, which I probably will never know for sure exactly what happened that day, if different people have different versions, but but there's definitely the need for healing from it and the need for uh, trying to come up with ways that we can keep that kind of thing from happening again. I mean, people talked about, you know, what kind of systems failed that day and um, that, that brought that up. Uh, about and so coming together on um, January uh, 13th, uh, we're um, excuse me, January 18th. Uh, we're hoping that we can uh, can work toward toward healing, uh, not only from this event but some of the other tragedies that have happened um, in this community. You know, there's been some other incidents that have happened. You know, just sort of domestic violence and other other violent events that take place um, that a lot of what goes on here people don't hear about because it's really not newsworthy it's just you know sort of daily racist events well then there was the you know the two students at uh, Riverton High School this, this most recent shooting it brings a lot of questions personally I'm trying really hard not to to make any judgments about about what happened for one reason one reason is because I wasn't there for another is I don't know anything about police procedure. And also, if I were in that same situation as the police officer, I don't know what I would have done. So I can't put myself in those shoes at all. But what I what I can do is is ask questions that I think are valid, which is, you know, where's the ACL, ACLU on this? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they've been contacted or not. Um, another one is, you know, why why isn't uh, the the county attorney cooperating to to hand over whatever information he has so that there can be an inquest so that the family and the public can get some closure on this and figure out exactly what happened mm-hmm. um you know it boils down, but for the most important part of this i think for me personally and this is just my opinion is that the family deserves to know what happened right or wrong whatever mr antelope did you know, the family deserves to know. And I think, and I'm very careful to not to use the racist word, but I think if it were a white family that this happened to, that there would be some closure for that family. But because it's a native family, we're just sort of put on the back burner. And it doesn't, it seems like, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like that, uh, that the native community isn't considered in 
situations like this that we're not um, as important as saving face for the town for the city of Riverton or you know we can be put on the back burner rather than face a lawsuit you know to the city of Riverton. It's been interesting seeing some of the news that's come out of Riverton and it reminds it's reminding a lot of us here in Laramie of the how things played out with the fatal shooting of Robbie Ramirez, who was a Latino man in, um, you know, mm-hmm. in Laramie here last year, you know, just, just about a year um, apart. I mean, I think the incidents were about 10 months apart from each other and, you know, very similar with the county attorney not being very cooperative and the family having a lot of unanswered questions. And, um, you know, and so, so, you know, my heart definitely goes out to the community there because we've sort of been through a version of it you know, here in Laramie over the last year. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what the impact is of these kinds of events, you know, the the KKK robes in the high school and, you know, these shootings where it feels like, you know, the community is kind of being blown off. Can you talk a little bit about the impact that it's having there? The two high school students, I don't, the, in the photograph that I saw and the video, one was, one of the students was white and the other one, um, had dark skin and dark hair. I don't know if he was native or if he was Hispanic or what, but because um, the, the, the video itself was, wasn't all that clear and it was so short that um, you can't really discern a lot of detail from it. So I don't know the names of those kids. They haven't released those, but you know, and rightly so. Here we have, you know, it, because it's gained national attention, you know, the city of Riverton has a black eye from it. And, uh, you know, there was an editorial in the paper um, pretty much said, uh, you know, <laughs> why are we, why, why is this getting so much attention? And, you know, because of social media and, you know, it went all the way to the Washington Post and I don't know what other, what other news agencies got it, but, um, but it's, it, it brings up this issue of, you know, let's just sweep it under the rug. We don't want to talk about it, but it needs to be talked about. And I think it's the fact that it's gaining national attention um, you know, to the superintendent, they handled it well, I think, uh, from what I've read. Um, but, um, you know, it brings up the issue that, you know, we, we need to talk about it. We need to bring it out in the open. And um, this is, I, I think, a good vehicle to do that. So go ahead, Chessie. Well, yeah, I think these kind of in- incidents cause fear. Uh, I mean, there was some discussion about how, uh, Native American students reacted after the uh, uh, incident in terms of you know crying, uh, you know, just just fear that it brings to people. Um, and I know the shooting of Annie Andy Antelope uh, in September at Walmart. Uh, you know, at uh, one of the prayer vigils that I attended, uh, that uh, young uh, you know teenage. Uh, teenagers were drawing uh, outlines of a body like after a, a kind of a shooting incident might happen mm-hmm. and 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 they were uh, and one had a sign carrying and they were saying this out loud you know will will I be next uh, and I think there was just this a real fear that uh, uh, not feeling accepted. I, I know a Native American friend of, I was talking with uh, just a couple of weeks ago. You know, we were talking about the idea that you know what you know what what did 
she wants to see happen uh, in in Riverton and in this, and in the state of Wyoming. And she said, "I'd like to know that we're accepted. You know, can't people just be friendly to us?" Uh, and we talked about where several Native Americans, uh, as part of Native Advocacy Days, which started a few years ago, uh, went down to Cheyenne from uh, from uh, here in um, Riverton and. Uh, there were about 25 Native Americans, and uh, they were greeted with, like, what are they doing here? And being stared at and uh, and not feeling like welcome, not recognized that we're citizens uh, of, of Wyoming and, and have a right to uh, to come and talk to our legislators and, and be before committees and, and talk uh, as as well as anybody else in the state of Wyoming. You know, children were asked uh, who were with the group, you know, what reservation are you from? And it's like, well, there's only one reservation in Wyoming. And kind of the feeling that, I mean, doesn't don't people in other parts of Wyoming know that we exist? And being asked questions like, well, do you still live in teepees? And um, and I, one of the things I, the church I go to uh, is predominantly white and um but there was a, an uh, Eastern Shoshone uh, who attended the church, and he organized a, a bus tour of the reservation. And there were people from my church who lived here in Riverton for years and some for all their lives who had never been, quote, on the reservation. Uh, it was a new experience. They, um, they, they didn't know that they, whether they were allowed to be on the reservation. Um, and And... Um, I know a friend of mine, uh, Cherokee Brown, who you know, grew up here. She remembers being told as a, um, a girl that um, don't cross the river. It's not safe. So even though there's not a wall between what's technically considered the reservation and what's considered off the reservation, uh, it, it's, it's, it's almost as if there is a wall. What impact does that have on somebody kind of on a daily life when you're carrying that around all the time? Well, it's, um, it, it, it comes to, it comes to uh, a feeling of just expecting it to happen, you know, just expecting this sort of uh, this, the, the disdain that, uh, that the people in this community treat us natives with, you know, and, and you can see it happen. Like when, you know, Mr. Antelope was shot, at Walmart, they didn't even close the store. They just left him lying there on the pavement for God knows how long uh, until you know they came to retrieve his body. But you know there were people coming in and out of the store taking pictures with their cell phones of of a dead man. And I mean, I eventually I, they blocked it off. And but you know they kept the other side of the store open. So I mean, it's obvious that money was you know making money was more important than the life of a human being. Mm. Um, you know, a, a few years ago, there was um, a violent incident where a um, person on our, we have a, what, what, what's called the uh, Rails to Trails Path that runs through Riverton. And, you know, often people jog that path and they ride their bikes on that path and they walk their dogs. Um, but there was a beating um, and it was a Native American that, that killed another Native with a hammer. Um, and the Riverton Ranger published a letter from a non-native woman who said you know we we already have to worry about park rangers which is the derogatory mm. term 
for Native Americans at the park um, for transients and, you know, the homeless and the drunks and which aren't all native, by the way, but it's the term that's generally used for for Native Americans. Um, and she said, you know, do we now have to worry about PATH rangers, P-A-T-H yes. rangers? Uh-huh. So I responded to another letter saying, you know, that term, park ranger, PATH ranger, it's just as derogatory as calling a black person the N-word. You know, and, and the Riverton Ranger wouldn't think to publish those terms, but yet they're okay with publishing park ranger and path ranger and some other issues that we've talked about, you know, tribal affiliation stuff. There's, there's a subtle racism that happens. And I, uh, and I think I experience this mo- more than anything of non-natives that don't know that what they're saying is racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I went signing recently, Sarah Wiles, uh, who's an author in Lander had published a book, about the, the Arapaho people. And there were, you know, it was, it was a pretty good diverse group of people there. And she allowed me to get up and, and say a few words and, and, and introduce her so that she could give her speech. And afterwards, a lady came up to me and she, you know, was very nice. Um, an older lady said she wanted to say something to me, but she wasn't sure. And I said, well, I know, you're, I know your intention is not to offend me. So just go ahead and say what you have to say. And she said... <laughs> You are the most articulate Indian ah. I've ever met as a compliment. But, um, you know, she didn't know that what she was saying was actually very racist. And I took no offense by it because I know she didn't mean it. You know, stuff like that happens mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the time. You know, I just wonder about like when you look at this whole pattern of like how the press talks about things, which seems like it's some scale from like indifference to like, outright diminishment of humanity, I guess I would say, um, through, you know, this, this KKK robe incident and, you know, the shootings and the, the sense that they're not necessarily taken seriously. I mean, it seems like there's sort of, that there's sort of a cultural, um, patterning there that a lot of people don't even realize is there that of course you know the the native community sees it and you know is able to clearly identify those patterns but that they're not necessarily uh, being recognized by other people in the local area and I mean does that seem like a a pretty accurate characterization of it? Yeah I I think so yeah that sounds about right Um, Mm -hmm. you know the the Riverton Ranger has taken Another step in that direction, <laughs> where when uh, Andy Antelope was shot, um, you know, they, the, the tribal council had made a statement, and the Riverton Ranger was, was uh, very specific about their statement in that uh, it was the Arapaho tribe that identified Mr. Antelope as a member of the Northern Arapaho tribe. So what they did was basically say, okay, well, we're not going to say it. The, the, the tribe themselves said it, mm-hmm. to which I take issue. I take issue with that because I don't, I don't know that, that the Northern Arapaho tribe knew what, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to put my finger on because I haven't had a chance to talk to them about it yet. But um, for, for them to just continue to identify us and not just us, but the Eastern Shoshone people as well, when there's a crime committed and they're accused, they have to make sure because it's under federal jurisdiction that we're a member of whatever tribe. And, you know, they use that as an excuse, but the dangerous part is when this guy, and I'm not going to say his name, uh, went and shot Sonny Goggles and, and Stallone Trosper 
he was a white guy, but there were so many comments on social media. And then there were, you know, other comments made around town saying one person said, well, it's too bad he didn't have a machine gun when he went into the center of hope. Um, there were people that supported what he did. And, and I, that's probably the, the biggest catalyst that got me involved in this is because my own children, I felt were in danger. Now it tells me that there's somebody who's capable of doing what he did to continue that agenda and for the Riverton Ranger to continue to print tribal affiliation just gives them more ammunition to work with the more more of an excuse to to act out and it's dangerous and it I, I think it's completely irresponsible you ask about you know what is the impact on this and and the Wyoming Department of Health has actually uh, compiled statistics showing the the effects of of this health wise uh, the uh, premature birth uh, uh, and and death of, um, of of infant death uh, on the reservation is like three times higher than what it is off the reservation the uh, diabetes uh, almost every major disease is just tremendously statistically higher on the reservation and and research has shown that the the, the major reason for these differences are 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 because of uh, of racism and oppression uh, among people of color uh, so it definitely has more than just uh, you know kind of hurt feelings kind of impact on people it it, it affects the uh, physical health of people too it, it's just uh, almost a daily kind of uh, comments that are uh, put down people feel like that when they go into stores that they are uh, here that they're treated differently they're, they're uh, might be more apt to be followed uh, and uh, uh, accused of uh, shoplifting um, you know their receipts uh, looking at their receipts when they go uh, out of the store as compared to when white people are shopping I, I want to return to something Jessica you said in your intro about um the, you know, should Riverton be part of the reservation? And it sounded like from the timeline, and let me make sure that I got this right, that um, when it was incorporated, they sort of declared themselves to not be part of the reservation, even though that land had been designated as reservation. Am I getting that right? That's, that's correct, yes. In fact, the uh, Environmental Protection Agency in uh, in issuing um, uh, had to do with air quality standards uh, that the uh, tribes had applied for being able to monitor their own air quality. The EPA uh, in their um, decision about the status of Riverton said because there had not been any purchase. I mean, for example, Thermopolis area of uh, 10 square miles there uh, was um, originally on the reservation, uh, and there's not anymore, but there was, there was uh, a fee that was paid for that so that the state bought that from, from the, uh, the tribes. Uh, nothing like that happened when Riverton became incorporated. And so, you know, maybe it wasn't a, <laughs> a 
a milk price that was paid. Uh, I mean, the same thing happened with, with the Lander uh, and um, South Pass and that, that area when that was, that was, actually, that was purchased. Um, yeah, maybe not for what it should have been purchased. Bear market value is purchased basically primarily because gold was discovered at South Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, with Riverton, that never happened. Um, now, you know, and it's, it, the case was taken to the Supreme Court uh, this past year, but the, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear it. So it's never actually made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. And I don't know that what it ever will, but it's still in, really in dispute. It seems to me that, um, you know, the, the state of Wyoming as a whole has, I won't say sympathizes, I, I guess empathizes with uh, much of what uh, is going on here on the reservation. And uh, when I go out and about to Wyoming uh, through, the, through the state, you know, I encounter people all the time that are interested in the history of, of uh, the Arapaho people and the Eastern Shoshone people and, you know, the history of, and the culture and, you know, the dancing and the music and all that stuff. And I find that refreshing. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't happen here so much, uh, as much as I would like it to. Um, I, I, part of the reason I'm so involved in the Riverton Peace Mission is so that uh, we can get people in this community to, to begin to understand and to begin to look at us uh, as, as humans rather than just people that have to be put up with, you know. Um, mm. You know, we we started the, doing the the peace march, and people would come, and a lot of non-natives were there too. But what I discovered, and I'm glad that Chessie came up with this Riverton Peace Mission, is because when we were we we do the march, um, and we'd go to the city park, and we would set up a PA system where we would speak and have other people come and speak. But what I discovered was that uh, you know, we were preaching to the choir. Pretty much everybody that was there understood. Everybody who was there was on our side. But I think through this Riverton Peace mission, we can begin to reach the people that that really need to to understand us natives and and the diversity and the beauty of of the culture, and that it can all coexist. You know, um, the fact that we and, and I say this a lot. It was you know people that come from privilege think that those of us who want rights, people that come from privilege think that people with those of us who want rights are think that they're being suppressed. Probably wasn't as eloquent as I usually say it, but uh, you get the point. So yeah, so I just would like people from around the state to um, to keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, I I do appreciate um, your interest in, in us and the culture and the diversity. We are the equality state. That's our motto, but we are far from being that. I'm glad that we have the Riverton Peace Mission now. That provides a vehicle for that to, to happen. And as, as Ron says, uh, so it can happen year-round, not just uh, in July at the annual Peace March. Uh, but we can have more than marches. Uh, and uh, and so I, I feel like um, that there's really hope uh, for uh, change uh, when uh, people come together and uh, appreciate our differences uh, in a positive way. Thank you so much, both of you, for all the work that you're doing there in Riverton. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah.